Good morning, Hope City Church. How are we doing? Come on, it's 11.15. I need to hear, well, it's 11.30. Oh, my, it's, it's springtime, y'all. Let's start there. Hey, my name is Pastor Joe. We are so excited that you are in the room with us today and also watching online. And however you're hearing this, maybe even in the future on our podcast, we are so excited that you are a part of Hope City Church. How many people are excited? Derby was yesterday. It is officially springtime. Spring has sprung. So good. Uh, To quote the famous comedian Robin Williams, spring is nature's way to say, let's party. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to party and have a great time. Man, just been locked up in the house for the last several months. And there's just been so many exciting things happening here at Hope City Church. We just launched growth groups for this semester. Uh, Man, kids ministry and and impact is going phenomenal. So many people are returning. If you do not believe me, look how many people are at church the day after Derby. People are here. We're so excited for that. And it's a special time. I mean, people are committing their life to Jesus. People are starting a spiritual journey. And we're just so excited that we are a part of that. And so... I just want to tell you guys a little bit of a story, kind of talk about myself just a little bit, because, I mean, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? And so the other day, I was, uh, I'm going to, the other day I was on the internet, because that's what guys my age say when they get on a computer. So I got on the internets. So I was on the internet, and I was doing some stuff, and then I ended up finding myself doing what I think most of us do in the room when we get on the internet, is you, you lose track of what you're supposed to be doing. You go down a little rabbit trail, and for me, the next thing I know, I was on Google Earth. I don't know if you've had an awesome experience of Google Earth yet, but it is, as Google describes it, the world's most detailed globe. That's like super crazy, because when I was a kid, a detailed globe was made out of cardboard, and it was on your teacher's desk, and you weren't allowed to touch it. And if you were super cool, and maybe you went to like a fancy school, it had two axes, and it was bumpy. And you're like, whoa, look at the mountains. So, but anyway, I was on Google Earth, and they have this incredible technology. It's called Street View. And what Street View is, is Google has spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to photograph every intersection on the planet. They started in 2007, and they started in America, and now they've worked their way around. And you can take this little yellow dude, and you can drop him anywhere on the map, and you can see what that looks like. Oh, get my phone out. I'm going to Rome, Paris, Tokyo, France. I don't have to pay. I don't have to worry about do I have, like, whatever travel restrictions or whatever. I can just go wherever. How awesome is that? It's not what I did. And I think like most people in the room, myself, I came to the conclusion, I took the little yellow dude and I dropped it right in front of my house. That's right. I was like, look at this. It's my house. Yeah. Thanks, Google. Just billions of dollars to show me my front door that I already know what it looks like. But then you go real weird and you're like, my neighbors have a pool? Because you zoom up and you're like, what? I need to like meet this dude. Or you go, that car, that dude's car. This picture's like three years old. That car has not moved in a long time. (laughs) So, but I think what I've learned from Google Earth is, is that, is this, is that no matter what we think about like using technology or whatever, it answered this, this, this desire inside of me. And that was like, I want to be known. I want to know where I'm at. I want to know a place that I'm safe. I want to know, like, what's around me. And maybe that's true for you. Like, you just feel this desire of, like, I need people that know me. 
I, like, I'm looking at my house. I think, like, man, this is my fortress of solitude. This is my Wayne Manor. This is my bat cave all mixed into one. And we just want a place where we're like, this is, this is it. This is, this is home. And another example, I think that it just really shows us that we are often, no matter what we could do in the world, we're often just consumed with ourselves. We just think the main topic on everyone's brain is me. And not me, you mean you. And if we think about this, another great example is when you pull your phone out, and you're like, hey man, let's get a selfie. You don't even worry if they're in the picture. You just zoom in, you're like, look at that derby. And they're cross-eyed and you're like, looks good, bro. I'll post it later. But it just lets you know that you're like, we are consumed with ourselves. We think about ourselves all the time. And listen, you know what I'll tell you? Something amazing is that God, a long time ago, noticed something about man. He noticed that we are concerned about ourselves. But you know what else he did? He noticed. God is aware. God sees every detail in your life. He doesn't overlook anything. He doesn't forget anything. He doesn't miss anything. God sees everything. And he notices things. And I would love to take just a moment to talk about that. In the, in the book of, of Genesis, we see creation. And we see God at the beginning before he starts creating. All of creation is, is summed up in two words. The book says that it is formless and that it is empty. So God being God, knowing that he has a plan for creation and a plan for everyone, he notices that there is no form and there is emptiness. So what does he get, do, what does he get down to do? He, he, he forms things. He fashions things. He takes the first three days. He makes light and dark. He makes sky and the sea. And he makes the earth. And then the next four days, he creates day and night. He creates the birds and the fishes. And he creates all the animals, including Man, And this is, this is communicating to us that God has a plan and a purpose for everything that exists. He realizes that in the book, before we get anywhere else, all of these things, he calls them good. Day's good, night's good, birds are good, the water's good. Everything is good, good, good. It is up to this point that man is living in a perfect world with a perfect God in perfect relationship. And for me, when I think about that, and I would encourage you sometimes to just to get the book of the Bible out, get it out, maybe go sit on your back porch and just read through the creation story outside so you kind of get this context of nature, the wind hitting your face, and just think about the scale and scope of God and, and all of creation. And then this whole time, God was seeing man and thinking of man. And Adam had this perfect existence. He was sinless, blameless, guiltless, in front of God. And, and there's just something inside of my heart, inside of my soul that, that aches for that. Man, I want to be able to be in perfect relationship with God. I want to I have a moment where I think God just affirms and approves me with no mistakes. And the good news today is that that's possible. That's possible for us through a relationship with Jesus. Here, before sin entered the world, God looked at man and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not, it's not a sin to be a loner. It's not a sin to not have people around you. But what God said was, it's not good. This is not the optimal thing for you. And so what did God do? He stopped right there and he said, I'm going to make a helper just for him. Wow. God creates the land, the sea, the air, the birds. He creates all of creation, sees man and goes, you know what? You know what you need? You need a family. You need some people to belong to. You know, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about 
how God saw a need and, and he saw a need and a desire in man. Even though through a perfect relationship with God, he still noticed that man needed a family to belong to. And so, you know, before we move on, I just think, can you agree with God that it is not good for man to be alone? Ladies, this is an opportunity for you to say amen. I don't know if you know or not, but when I, when I was alone, I was an absolute wreck. Before I met my wife, Karen, uh, it was it, like what the Bible said, it was not good. <laughs> I went away to college and I, I came home and you know, I bounced from couch to couch. And then I even lived in my parents' basement again. And then, I, you know, I, over some years, I was just kind of, I don't know, I was like a tumbleweed. I was just kind of moving along and... And I ended up buying a house, and, and you know, bachelor dudes were like, yeah, those pink curtains are great. We'll just leave them. And then I like, started getting hand-me-down furniture for my friends and stuff. Let's fill the house. Like, I remember I had this red couch in my living room. I got from my friend's basement, and it came with cat hair. And I just left it. I was like, hey, you can sit on it if you want. And it is not good for men to be alone. Like, man, thank God that he gives us a helper to come alongside of us. But... Today, I'm not just talking about men and women in a marriage relationship, but I'm talking about our relationship as a family, a family of God. And there's this this beautiful story here here in a moment. We're going to read it in Galatians where it talks about how we become a part of a family. But before I get into that, like, listen, right now I have 1,042 Facebook friends. Just want to let y'all know I am killing it. I'm super popular. (laughs) You know, if you can't get a lunch with me, I mean, I, mean, I can see why. I'm just totally te- teasing. You just call the church. I'll go out to lunch with you. But we have Facebook and Zoom and, and Twitter and, and GroupMe and Reddit, email. We have all these amazing ways that we can have community. We can have connection. We are just, man, I know all about you. In the digital age, we have all these things. But you know what? We're the most connected. But you know what? Honestly, we're, relationally, we're the most disconnected. We're, we're the most disconnected. We have career advancement responsibilities, raising our own, our own kids and relations to, to, to blood family. I don't know about you, but COVID kind of put a, 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 a wrench in my uh, being able to meet with people, my social circles. It just kind of boogered that all up. But we have, you know, we have social media. It's all good. Yeah, it's a, yeah I'm connected. We're good. It's, it's not true. It's not true. We're coming more and more disconnected. I, I, just one more thing about social media. On a, on a good day, it's... It's our highlight reel. It's where we went to dinner. It's that cool restaurant we went to after Derby. It's, it's cupcakes. It's kittens. It's our kids. It's so awesome. It's great. But at the worst, social media, and, and I'm pretty sure you're all aware of this, it's, it's one-sided rants, things of offense and, and political division and, and means that are downright uh, divisive and, and, and hurtful. See, in this day and age, people have the ability to know all about you but have no relational connection to you. They'll know all your business, but they don't care about you at all. Your, your news feed be, just becomes someone's afternoon snack. They're just, you know, uh, it says that one way we describe online content is we consume it. I don't know about you, but that hurts my heart. Me as a person, I, I don't want to be consumed. I don't want to be devoured by someone. I don't want someone to be like, Look at that. That's awesome. And then just walk away. Like, I, it just makes me feel empty. It, it makes me feel, feel used. And so, for me, I believe that relationships are meant to be way more than just than one way. They're, they're a place for us to have give and take, to have love and affection, 
to have guidance and correction, a, a way that is, is beneficial for everyone in the relationship. I believe as, as followers of Jesus, we are called to relationships that look way different than just like, share, and a, a comment down below. Like, it is about commitment. It is about having a family. It is about being a part of something greater than ourselves. I believe that people are searching more for connection that is deeper relationships with a life that has a greater purpose. See, it has been an amazing season here at Hope City Church. People getting connected online through in so many different states and people coming and, and bringing your friends. And we see people coming into relationship with Jesus, putting their trust in him. People, as Pastor described it last week with C.S. Lewis words, getting their wings supernaturally being transformed. And that is so, so amazing. And so just know this, is that God doesn't just give you a new life, but he also gives you a new family. Through Jesus, we get to become the family of God. And so Christ, in Christ, we now have a family where we belong, where we're known, we're noticed, we're loved. We're known and noticed and loved by fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as it says. And so in Galatians 4, in four through seven, it says this. It says, but when the time, when the right time came, and I just want to pause and just, just love how God uses words. But in the right time, listen, wherever you're at right now in your relationship with Jesus, wherever you're in your relationship right now, maybe in a season of singleness or in a tough spot in your marriage, it was the right time when God came in. Don't worry about what happened in the past. Don't worry about anything. The Bible says that God is a redeemer of all time. So you do not have to think about what could have been. But we have to trust that God is with us in this moment. And so God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy us a freedom who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt, be adopted as our very own children. And because we are his children, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call us out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are a child, he has made you his heir. See, supernaturally, God has chosen us. As a follower of Jesus, we become his children. We are adopted into the family. Jesus, faith in Jesus gives us a new life, but it also gives us a new family. Jesus is our hope, our savior. He's our brother. See, we become a child of God through faith in Jesus. And you get to call him your father. And you know what that means? Because we have this new father, that means that we also have new siblings. We have new brothers and sisters in Christ that we have never met before. And let me tell you, they don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They don't speak the same language as you. They don't vote like you. They don't live where you live. They don't eat the food you eat. But because of our faith in Jesus, we are all brothers and sisters. You know, the other night, one of my responsibilities as the, the, the pastor of connection and care is we, we like to go to dinner with people that are thinking about taking the next step and, and, and getting married and getting engaged. And as a 43-year-old white man that grew up here in Louisville, it was just, I was just taken aback at the opportunity that God had for me to sit at a table with three other people with very different backgrounds, my wife included, of different race and ethnicity, education. And I just sat back and I was like, at Senior Iguana is just like, thank you, God. 
that through Jesus, we could sit here and talk about the beautiful thing that is a commitment of marriage, not because of anything that I've done or known, but because of faith in Jesus Christ, that we can have a thing like share a meal together and just talk about God's plan for our lives. And it it is just something beautiful about the family of God. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we become a new creature, but we also become a, a belong to a new, a new family. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and we have more in common with people that live in like Caracas, Venezuela, or the favelas of Brazil, these just slums that are just full of, of chaos and depression, if they are Christians, than our next door neighbor. Because we have the common bond of the kingdom of God. See, I'm hyper aware of people in this room today thinking, oh great, another brother, another sister, another father. Joe, you don't understand the family I came from. The thought of expanding your family just brings up wounds and, and hurts. And honestly, you've been hurt by people in your family so close to you that it actually affects the way that you even think how to love or even how Jesus could even love you. And that's my origin story. My family, I don't want to speak ill of them, but listen, it was a place that was hard. It was a place that was full of physical abuse and mental abuse. And it, it, was, it was really, really hard. But I know that God is a redeemer of all things. God has given me a new family. And so if you're sitting here today with a thought of expanding your family and it's frightful, I understand. I, I, I definitely understand. And, and don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you something. And this is not like something we take comfort in. It just gives us a realization that this is true for more people than we think. That I read an article that said that 60% of Americans have experienced abuse of some sort or a challenge living in their home. 7% of people have gr- grown up in a household where someone was imprisoned. 12% have experienced sexual abuse from a family member. 27% of people are from a broken home or, or, or divorce. of people live with people with suicidal thoughts or or clinically depressed. And 16% of people witness domestic violence in their own home. You know, the number one way that God describes the body of believers, the church in the New Testament, is called the family of God. It's almost like God knew that we needed a new family. That we needed God supernaturally to come in and redeem our family. See, Jesus gives us a new life, but he also gives us a new family. That's really heavy, you know, but you know what else comes is the opportunity of something new. I don't know about you, but new is fun. (laughs) New is exciting. New is cool. You know, and I think of new relationships. I think of like all the possibilities and people way smarter than me have come up with a way to express the excitement of new relationships. They're going to put it on the screen behind me and online. It's going to overlay. I want you to look at this. This is Facebook talking about, talking about relationships. Do y'all see it? Do y'all see, the, do y'all see relationships? You're like, I think I like you. I think I got the feels. Give me a hug. Oh, my gosh. Something's real. And then you're like, what? What'd you do? Oh, you broke my heart. I'm fired up. Look at that. It's like, it is everything that happens in a relationship. Y'all can share that all you want. It is the truth. It is the truth. Listen, uh, relationships are defined this way. It's two or more people being connected by body, by blood, 
by marriage. It is, we, these are different ways that we are in relationships. Let me give you some words. When I think of a relationship, I think of things that should be uh, fun. They should be, man, I should want to hang out with people. Like, you're my people. Like, let's go. Like, they, they can also be frustrating. Man, you didn't show up. I thought we were going to hang out. But, man, relationships should be fulfilling. They should be encouraging. Uh, the Bible says that a brother is made for adversity. And if we are a brother and sister in Christ, we get to hang out in the fun times and the hard times. If we should have meaningful relationships. We should be supportive. We should have intimacy with our brothers and sisters. And I don't mean physical intimacy. I mean that kind of intimacy that God describes as knowing people. Knowing people. We need to have relationships that stretch us, that are long-lasting. And ultimately, we need to have relationships that are fruitful. I need to look at you one day and go, man, I'm so glad I know you, Deja. My life is so much better. Joy, oh my gosh, look what you have done for me and my wife's health. I just am so glad that we are apart. Pastor Andrea, Pastor Katie, my life is different because you are in it. Like these are things that we need to be able to say about our church family, about our relationships with, with each other. A second ago, I shared a meme. I just want to, as we make a transition to another part of the message, I just want to encourage you. Get you a group of friends you share memes with. It is the best. It is the best. You cannot be in my meme group. I got my own. It is, it is a safe place for me and my meme boys. Like, we are, we are good. But let me tell you, like, it is so fun just to be like, <laughs> and they're like, for real? I saw, all right, I'm way off track. I saw one the other day. It said the top 12 places to live in America. It was like all the ones that touch Canada and Alaska. It's hilarious. It's so, so funny. So in our family, in our family of God, and, and in, in all of relationships, there's this thing that I, I didn't make it up. I, I saw it online. I studied it a little bit, and it's called a cycle of relationships. It's what the people at Facebook showed us just a moment ago. And what, is, what the cycle of relationship is, it, it's the experiences that you go through, through a relationship. You may have not ever labeled them, but they happen in every relationship. So let's start at the cycle of relationship. We're going to start where you're supposed to at number one, because that's what we do. It's called the beginning. So at number one, you are easy. It is an easy, it is an exciting time in your relationship. Who has ever had one of these? Oh my gosh. I just met my best friend. They work at Corrales. He is amazing. He's like my best friend. He's got curly hair. He's got a tattoo on his back of his neck. He like gets me extra sauce. This is my best friend, y'all. Like we are, we are going to be boys it's going to be so, so good. The Corrales is right over here. You're not know what I'm talking about. He's amazing. Great waiter. We're best friends. We are going to go on vacation one day. It's going to be so good. <laughs> or you start, a new, you start a new job. You start a new job. You're like, all right, coworkers, I see you. I like the vibe in here. That essential. What we got? Pirates of the Caribbean. I smell some essential oils or something going on here. You're like, this place is so, so nice. Or, and then you're like, the drive? Oh, my gosh. There's no traffic? This is so good. Have you seen our paychecks? These are, I don't... I think they made a mistake in payroll. And you're like, this is so good. What about other exciting things in your life? Maybe you're like, you know what? We're going to sign our kids up for travel baseball. It's going to be so awesome. Travel baseball. You're like, you meet new people. The kids are off Xbox. You're just building community. And you're like, you know what? We're going to win this championship. We ball dynasty. Ain't nobody got this. We are going to, we're going to crush it. It even happens here in your church family. You know, today, you, maybe you usually go to the first service, but you came second service because, you know, it was late night or whatever. And you're like, who is 
who's that over? And you just like notice the cute guy in the third row and you're like, the possibilities. And you throw your mind's eyes wandering. You're like, okay, okay. Anybody see his hand? Where's that ring at? And you're just looking and you're like, this is so good. Like you never know. Like if something is gonna happen because you're so excited. You're like, I'm so jacked. I'm so pumped. This is gonna be so good. I remember when I first, when I first committed my life to Jesus, I was jacked up on Jesus. I loved the local church. I had friends. I had people there. I used to take off work on my lunch break and deliver gifts and snacks to the people that were my pastors, the people on staff. I have just deep, deep love for these people. And I was so, so excited. And, you know, it's like when, it's like when Karen and I first met. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. We all get this, these feels. But then what happens? What happens? It gets hard. That's right, Pastor Andrew. It, it, gets, it gets hard. Something happens. This picture perfect thing you paint into your mind, it's gone. What? What? And then your friends that love you have known you for a long time. Hey, how's that dude you're seeing? You know what I'm saying? Or you joined a growth group like last semester. And like, how's your growth group? I mean, I'm looking around, looking around. Maybe I'm take a season off the lake, you know, whatever. You join a serve team or something, and you're like, well, I, you know, I didn't really want to do what they asked me to. And, it, it, and then you're, you're, or maybe at your job, you're like, that dude's kind of a jerk. Paycheck's weird. Traffic. You're like, oh, my God, I got to pay a toll. Both ways? Both ways. Oh, my gosh. Or travel baseball. It was awesome at the beginning. And then you're like, these dudes want $1,800 because we need three uniforms. We have to go on three weekends. And they got a hitting thing. And we got practice. And it's like, What? What happens is is in the second part of the relationship cycle. It's challenging. It's frustrating. It's challenging. We went from easy peasy. We went from all glitters as gold. It was unicorn and rainbows, zero calorie cupcakes. It was perfect. And then you went into challenge and frustrating. This happens every time. And it's because of two things. Two things that happen. And the first one is that people fail you. You put them on this pedestal. They were the best people ever. And they start to irritate you because it ain't real. You're like, they, they'll never be able to meet that expectation, that first thing. People get on your nerves. You realize there's that he's not as cute as you thought. You know, like, it was like, and here's what happens. You, you, can, you can stay in the challenging and frustration because it's hard. And it's hard because people, they sin against you. They get angry. They hurt your feelings. They, they leave you hanging. They, you know, your church family goes to lunch without you. You're like, whoa, 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 we were lunch buddies. Or worse, they go to lunch with you and they chew with their mouth open the whole time. You're like, I should have stayed home. But this is what happens. People frustrate us. And the second thing happens when frustration sits in is fear. Because you know what happens in a relationship? It's two-sided. That person that let you down, that upset you, guess what you get to do next? You get to do the same thing to them. And you catch yourself. We all know. I used to be 15 pounds lighter. When I met Karen, I was, you know, now I'm like letting a little slacking a little bit. (laughs) But the thing is, it's like we get scared. We get scared. It's like, what about the real me? See, the Bible says that we are being transformed. It is a process. And through the process, we get stressed we get angry, we make mistakes, we say mean things to people. We're like, oh my gosh. And then you realize you just wrote this check to your friends and you're like, do we have to unpack this? Or do you bail? You're like, you know what, this is, I don't want this. I want the unicorn and rainbows. I'm gonna go find some new friends. 
I'm going to go find some new friends. I can't, I, 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 don't, I can't believe I said that to them. I can't believe they did that to me. I'm going to go get somebody else. And you live in this offense. And you're like, ugh. And you just bail. Because it's so much easier. It's so much easier. See, there's a, there's a, great, a great author. His name is uh, Pete Cesario. And he writes about what is happening in our relationships. And it's what he defines as our shadow side. Our shadow side is coming out of us. And what that is, is that's a, a culmination of untamed emotions, less, less than pure motives, thoughts. While they're rarely unconscious, they, they strongly influence and shape our behaviors. See, it's our shadow, our damaged, most hidden versions of ourselves that our family sees. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I know I've found myself several times saying, why is it the one that I love the most sees the worst of me? Why is it the ones that I care about the most see the worst version of me? It's because they're around me the most. I can shake your hand and hug your neck and be like, oh my gosh, it's so good. But those that are the closest to me get the worst of me. And, and it's because we, we, have these, we have these things inside of us. And when things go short, we fall. We fail. We're people. You know, when I was in my early 20s, um, I was all jacked up on Jesus. I... I committed my life to him. And like I said earlier, I was taking food and tricks and treats and stuff to the people at the church. And I love them dearly. And you know what? It, it's been like 16, 17 years ago this weekend. It was derby time. And some kids that were a little younger than me, like I said, I was in my early 20s. Uh, they, hey, let's go to Joe's house. At this time, I was just Joe. Pastor? Woof. No. Barely. Like, I was following Jesus, like, kind of, like, holding on. Like, I was like, let me touch your sandal. Like, I was like there, but I wasn't like, it wasn't Jesus. Like, it was not a thing. Like, I was in the family of God, but I was working it out. I was working it out, right? And there came a point where I was like, it's Derby. Woo, we'll have a cookout. It's Derby. Like, we said Derby like seven times. Next thing I know, just 12 packs of beers were showing up at my house. And let me tell you, some mistakes were made. It was a long night. Because, see, when I was in my early 20s, I had a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And I hurt some people that night. I hurt my influence. I hurt the people I loved. I hurt myself. I not only offended myself, I offended people in my close family, my church family. But, see, here's the way God works. It's so good. Y'all ready for this? Uh, what day is Derby? Saturday. Every year, except for last year and sometime in War II, right? So what happens after Saturday? Sunday. You know where I went? church. I sure did. I was, a, I was a heavy volunteer, as we called us. I was there, and I did not volunteer. <laughs> I was supposed to run camera. I was one of the camera guys. Didn't show up for first service. I showed up second service, and I sat in the back, very last row. And one of the pastors that I, I, I still adore and, and honor to this day, he came up to me, and he put his arm around me, and he was like, ooh, ooh. I was like, yep. And he said, Joe, I love you. And I'm disappointed in you at the same time. He's like, I love you so much. I'm proud of your commitment. I'm proud of your way to follow Jesus. I'm proud that you're not letting this drive a wedge between you and chasing after Jesus. But he said, I'm also disappointed that you have fallen, that you've you've made this mistake, you've had this fallback. Because they knew it was a struggle. They were on my team. He loved me. But he knew, man, Joe, you screwed up. He could have bailed on me so quick. You ain't worth it. You ain't real. You ain't, you're just struggling. I, I don't have time for this. And he could have bailed on me, but he didn't. Right. He did in that moment the most Christ-like thing he could have done. Yeah. Love me. Yeah. He loved me. He loved me right where I was at. He put his arm back around me. He said, 
leave early and go home and go to bed and then come back next week. And that's what I did. And I kept going and I kept going. And you know what? And that's what I love about the family of God. He gives us a family. We are not doing this alone. But what we have to do is we have to realize is there are moments in our lives when people are going to do things to themselves, to us, to each other. And then we have to, we have to double down and say, am I going to live in a fence or am I going to say, hey, you know what? I'm committed. And it's through these hard times. I know Jesus gave me a new life and he's given me a new family. He's born me into this new family. I don't know about you, but have you ever met a brand new human? They whine, they cry. I've been in the delivery room three times. They, they're defenseless. They don't listen to you. Like, come on, baby. You know, like that was me when I was a new creation. Like there was an opportunity for him to go, don't you know how to walk? And he could have just pushed me to the side. But he said, no, let's get up, Joe. Let's get up, Joe. Let's get up, Joe. I'm committed to you. I know I'm frustrated in you. You know what? But I love you. And we're going to walk. We're going to walk. We're going to walk this out. See, living in a fence or living to a point where you just want to bail, you'll never grow past your level of uncomfortability or your ability to manage frustration from others. See, when life uh, passes the easy stage, we have to face our fears and failures. We have to deal with challenges and frustrations. And like I said, you can break it off. You can bail. They don't get me. They don't understand me. You shouldn't have done that to me. I'm out. You know what? There's churches on every corner. I bet there's one that I can just hide in the back or they won't say that to me. They, how dare you challenge me or call me on what I'm going through? How do you, no. And you bail. But see, when you decide not to bail, you move past that. You move into what's called the rewarding or the fulfilling part. And this is what we want for you. This is what I want for you. This is what Jesus wants for you. This is what God wants for you. This is what God gave us to church as he wants us to commit to a family. And commitment to a family is hard. Commitment to a family is hard. You know why? Because we're broken. We're sinful. We make mistakes. People are complicated just like you, just like me. The cycle of relationship works in any kind of relationship you have. And see, this is a great moment, I think, right now as we are, are transitioning the services is to say, where are we? Where are you with your church family? Are you in the exciting stage, the easy stage? If you are, embrace it. Love it. Get, get connected. Ask questions. Find a leader. Find somebody. If, you, if they're talking to three or four people, they're probably a leader. Just grab them and say, hey, man, what are you doing here? How do I get connected? I don't know. I, I, I love Jesus, and I want to be a part of what you're doing here. How do I get involved? Like, take a step and enjoy that. But then also, I don't want to scare you, but prepare yourself. We're people. Yes. We're people. We're going to make mistakes. We're, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be frustrating. People are not going to show up. They're going to be late. They're not going to, they forgot they had a lunch date. Like, all these things are going to happen. But we have to decide that we're not going to walk away. And here's why. Because relationships, they're risky. When you open yourself up to an opportunity to have an intimate, meaningful relationship, you also open yourself up to be hurt. See, intimacy takes, real relationships take intimacy, and intimacy take real meaning relationships. See, it's in every moment, you know, in the church, it gives us this opportunity. When we get offended, when we get hurt, when people do us wrong, it gives us an opportunity to be like Jesus. It gives us an opportunity to say, God, remove me out of this situation and let me do what Jesus would do in this moment. It would have been so easy for that pastor to just abash me. It would have been so easy for him to like just to be judgmental and pull me out of the way. But he loved me just like Christ loved me. See, we, we know that we want to become more like Jesus. And we do that through our church family. God said it from the beginning that it's not good for us to be 
alone. Those closest to us will hurt us the most. You know what they'll do also? They have the opportunity to heal you the most. See, we have shadow sides that we don't even know. You don't even know you're that way. But when you get somebody that loves you, that loves you enough to pull you to the side and say, hey, Joe, I believe in you. And this, and this, and this, and this. And you know what? You need to work on this. You need to work on that. And not get offended and walk away. Because what will happen is you'll go somewhere else. And then your shadow will rise up and someone's going to say, and this, and this, and this. You know, I want to close in the style of Jesus. I love this. Jesus, he was an awesome storyteller. I love the power of a story because it allows us to be put, transformed into a situation, process the thoughts that are very real in our minds without the reality of risk. See, stories allow us to move in and and, and work through what we may or may not do and also learn from the people in the story. If Jesus came and gave us rules, we'd have one option, follow or not. You would never, there would be no grace. There would be no opportunity for mistakes. You would either be doing it or you wouldn't. But Jesus didn't, he wasn't that way. He taught us through stories. And so I wanna wanna share a story with you guys. See, there was a guy and his friend and they were in his backyard and, and they were surveying the landscape and they were like, wow, check this out. You have an amazing backyard. Trees just beautifully man, uh, manicured. The grass was amazing. And then there was this beautiful in-ground pool and the guy's like, wow, you got an amazing backyard. Look at this awesome pool. And then the guy that was there with a friend, he said, man, this lemon tree is like really close to your in-ground pool. I bet you get leaves in it all the time. I bet that's awful. Like you've got to constantly pick these leaves out and constantly clean and constantly clean and manage. Why don't you just like, you're a well-to-do guy. Look at this place. You have like the, the ability. Why don't you hire a guy, dig this tree up and move it like 10 feet? No leaves in your pool. Problem solved. Boom. The homeowner looks at the fella and he says, you know what, man? I love lemons. I love them. But if I cut this tree and dig it up and move it, you know what happens? It goes dormant for like two or three years. But I love lemons. I don't want to wait two or three years for my lemons. So if I uproot this, I'm going to have to not have what I want. So I'm willing to come out here every day and pick these leaves out. Pick these leaves out of this pool. Pick these leaves. You know what? I, I love lemons so much. And I'm just picking these leaves out of my pool. I want my pool, but I want my lemons. So I'm going to deal with the leaves. And that's what people are. If you love lemons, but you want a pool, you got pool. You got to like grab the leaves. If you want community, if you want relationship, if you want people that love you and care for you and be able to pick you up when you fall, you got to deal with the mess. You got to deal with the mess. You got to be able to clean it up. You got to be able to say, you know what? It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. And for me and for people that are, that are following Jesus, holding on and as close as he can, we know that it's possible. We know how Jesus has impacted our lives and, and allowed us to get past the point of bailing and getting to a life that is fruitful. Jesus said that if you remain in me and I remain in you, that you will bear much fruit. See, Jesus gives us a new life, but he also gives us a new family. Don't. Don't give up on your family. Find your people. Find your family. You know what? For the longest time, I always just say, what's up, brother? What's up, sister? I'm like, what's up, brother? And culturally, you know, that's got appropriated in ways, and people always just thought I was doing a thing. And I'm like, no, man. I see people as brothers and sisters in Christ. I hug you. I say, you know what? I don't even wear that sticker no more. Like, I'm, I'm coming in. Like, you put your hand up. 
I love Megan Hardesty, our middle, uh, like the, one of the leaders, she w- used to wear a, a hugger sticker and she said, that doesn't give you free license. You can only hug me if you're allowed to. <laughs> All right, if you ain't a hugger, back up, Joe. All right, I'm in. <laughs> but see, God gives you a family, but you have to decide to work at the family. With family comes family matters. And we have to work through those family matters. You have to commit. This is my close right here. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be the savior of all mankind. But Jesus, in his wisdom and his perfection, did not do it alone. He found 12 men. At the age of 30, he was like, you know what? I can't do life alone. My dad said it wasn't good. I need people to do this with me. And so he grabbed 12 guys. And if you look, and people way smarter than me said he spent like 70% of his life with these guys. That's what I want to do. I want to find some people. I want to hold on to them. And I want to do my life with them. I want to give people that opportunity today to, 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 to come into the family. If you don't know Jesus, there's a place for you. If your family's a wreck, we have Jesus. We have God in our family. And that gives us a chance to have not a perfect family, but a family full of grace, full of mercy, full of acceptance. See, God sent Jesus for the whole world, but he did it through a family. So are you trying to do it alone today? God would say that that's not good. What if you decide today to take a risky step and to be a part of the family. Let's pray. God, I just thank you. God, I thank you for holy moments. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for such a beautiful picture of acceptance in a family. God, that you could have made this any way. This whole creation, God, was your plan. But you saw the void inside of every person in this room and you gave us the gift of family that we could be filled and made whole and right in a relationship not only with you, God, but with your creation, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. God, that we would just hold fast to the hope that is your kingdom. God, that one day that you would make all of this make sense and it would be perfect but now that we would walk in a right relationship with Jesus, allowing us to to work, work through the frustration and the challenging seasons, not to bail, God, but to have a life that is abundant and fruitful in the family. In Jesus' name, amen.